He says he also tried to teach him the Lord's Prayer, but he didn't want to learn that and just only got the Beans Beans a Musical Fruit poem. Welcome to season six where we're phoning it in. You don't think critically and then put a Pop-Tart into your body. I am highly caffeinated and minorly concussed. Aruga, aruga. What came first, the love sack or the gravity gun? It's my turn to do a sin with Sonic. This is for the freaks. (laughs) Too much piss. That's the kind of bad decisions sleepy ass bat. How much shrimp can you fit in your mortal body? You told me you guys would be cool. That's season six intro material right there. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how... Holy crap, you guys. Stephen King has written so, so many things. Um... And I have to reference a lot of them through uh, researching today's topic. Name name four. Name four. I, I will later, actually. You're, I don't right, want to okay. ruin a later okay. bit. Um, <laughs> Never mind that. Um, so these, this is one of those times where I got to just own up to not reading very much, right? Like, I want to appreciate Stephen King's works, but I don't like reading. So... Well, Matt really doesn't like reading, and he also watch. doesn't like places I that let you read. I do like libraries. <laughs> Matt, I good like news. I li- like libraries are good. Matt, good news. Stephen King is one of, if not the most uh, adapted author into movies as well. Right, you but a lot, lot of those adaptions are, uh, adaptations are not good, um, or at least vastly different from the books. Sure, sure. But the core is there. Um, so as as we've been hinting at, um, this is another flavor text this week, guys. Um, this one brought from patron and friend of the show, new new best friend of the show, um, Flum. He doesn't have a Discord name, and I don't want to dox him here on our podcast. So um, we'll just call him by his last name, Flum. Um I have once again been tasked with taking on a horror fantasy series from the 80s that has been massively influential and wide-read, although not by any of us on the podcast. Uh, That is the Dark Tower series. Um, The eight-and-a-half book series, written by author Stephen King, uh, was published its first entry in 1982, and its most recent entry came out in 2012. So it's a been a four decade project by Stephen King. Oh my god. That's insane. That's like yeah. that's like Metallica shit, man. Right? Um such a massive undertaking can't be tackled alone, which is why I am joined today by Todd has forgotten the face of his father Thomas and Matt does not aim with his hand, does not kill with his gun Cole to help me wander through a fantastical desert and fight Satan to bring you this ancient but also modern tale. Um I, sorry, I'm still hung up on eight and a half books. Um the yeah. one, the number the number half is usually not a measurement of books, but also Fair. two, that's so many books. That's so many books. Um it's it's a book and a half more than there are Harry Potters. A book and a half more than there are Harry Potters, almost three times as many Lords of the Ring that uh there are. Um, the half book is a, like, one is a, it's a 
prelude novella. We'll get to mm. it. It's so it's like nine books, but it one's a novella, so it's really short and considered half half a book. Um, guys, what do you know about the Dark Tower or its author Stephen King? In- incredibly little. Um, I know the the Stephen King greatest hits. You're probably gonna say a number of Stephen King King books or books that have been adapted into movies, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Dark Tower. Like next to nothing. Um, I've got a good friend from high school that he was super into Dark Tower, so I'm sure at some point you're gonna reference something and it's gonna like trigger unlock a flashback a, a memory. Yeah, to a to a reference that he told me about in like two thousand and one. Um but knowing the books were still coming out ten years after that, there's <laughs> there's surprises in store. So I on a scale from one to ten, like one. One uh, almost just nothing. north of one. Okay. Yeah, I I know less than that. I know absolutely nothing. I knew that we were recording Dark Tower today, and I did not know that that was a Stephen King book until I opened these notes. Good. Great. Even wow. better. So if I'm at a 1.1, you're at like... A, a point 0.1. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I this... This might be the flavor text that I know the least about going into. And if it's not, it's really close. Cool. This is going to wow. this is going to be something because I think this intersects both of your interests, probably at different in different ways and for different reasons. But I think I think you'll both get a lot out of it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm way more excited now that I know it's a Stephen King book. Yeah, like way more excited. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dive into that, because I don't think we can talk about this series without first talking about Stephen King. Um, Stephen King, as you may know, is an American author from Portland, Maine. Um, he has a legacy of best-selling novels and screenplays that he has been cranking out with manic consistency since the 1970s. Uh, 1974, I think. Carrie was released the novel and um since then he has just cranked out novels and short stories like a man possessed and uh he would tell you that is because he was a man possessed by addiction Addic- um oh yeah um we'll get to that uh king's style fuses the everyday yet seemingly incomprehensible experiences of the white american baby boomer with the supernatural to create a sort of modern mythology for things like addiction religion sexuality technology etc etc um he's a horror author he got his he cut his teeth writing horror um he branched out into more like slice of life and and like um coming of age stories as well but he always manages to return to this like using the supernatural to help explain the the everyday things that we can't understand um and it it's done very well for him he's an incredibly successful author probably the most well-known and prolific american author i um and part of part of the contribution to his success taking him from a 
best-selling author to a household name was his willingness to sell his books into film adaptation, adaptation during the peak of popularity of the mid to high budget horror film, uh, making him a Hollywood fixture and one of the only remaining writers who can sell a, na- a film on his name alone. Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know anyone not remaining to add to that list. I'm, but I'm sure there are. But yeah, like you see Stephen King's something, right? Um, it still puts well, butts think, in seats. And I think there's obviously a lot of really famous like movie like directors that have that same power but i'm i'm struggling to think of other other writers like yeah. other like famous titled uh well-known authors that could like put their name on something like that yeah yeah i mean certainly not many that are still like actively writing yeah i think that there are authors who like there's a new hunger games uh book that just came out right and so like i'm sure is about to come out i don't know but if they were to come back and do like another hunger games movie later i think that would put butts in seats but that's a property yeah that's the hunger games not suzanne collins like right and like i the literally the only other and again, like I'm not I've I've acknowledged in this podcast and will acknowledge again, I am not a particularly well read individual, but I watched a lot of shit. And the only other movies that I can think of that have an author directly tied to them who is an American author is Stephanie Meyer and the Twilight movies. Right. And like if somebody mm-hmm. were to like if if they were to say this is a Stephanie Meyer movie that might 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 get you there but like but the, yeah, I can't those think are still anybody. those are still twilight movies like because right. well, i I'm was saying like if, if I stephanie gonna... meyer did a not twilight and somebody was like here's sure. a new stephanie but this is a stephanie meyer property i think that it might be not on the same level but like it comparable in it, the ability to sell tickets on that name alone, sure. but that's the only one I can think of. I was gonna, I was gonna mention the two I'll mention were J.K. Rowling, which is in a similar boat to the other two examples sure. we mentioned. Where, yep, um, they're all it's it's the Harry Potter name that sells, not her name. And uh, the other one is significant, is closer to Stephen King's situation, but significantly less impactful. Um, where I think towards the end of his life, you could sell a movie on Cormac McCarthy's name, who wrote like yeah. No Country for Old Men, The Road, uh, things like that. But it, those weren't pitched as Cormac McCarthy's The Road. It was just right. a like when you told someone you were excited for that movie and said it's by the guy who wrote No Country for Old Men, they'd make the connection. Yeah. Um, many of Stephen King's film adaptations have become touchstones of 80s and 80s and 90s culture, like The Shining, Christine, Children of the Corn, Stand By Me, Misery, The Lawnmower Man, The Shawshank Redemption, and The Green Mile. Um, that's just the movies, and that's just the movies that came out between 1980 and 2000. 
Um, if you don't know one of those movies, <laughs> why are you listening to this podcast? Like, right. Who saw this, I'll be honest. Who saw the right title now? of this and was like, oh, this is still for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I have not heard of, or at least I don't think I've heard of the lawnmower man. Everything else incredibly familiar with lawnmower man feels like a pole. Maybe I just missed it. I really wanted to put the lawnmower man in that list. It's a very bad movie about a um, good. Okay. About uh, virtual reality that takes over a, a man. A man gets into a virtual reality machine. The AI takes over his body and he like and robots robot pilots his body through through mayhem and destruction and it's awful but silly it's, it's one of those titles oh. where i've heard of it and i know nothing about it so that's yeah. that's very helpful yeah um king stephen king is a lifelong and and outspoken addict uh with addiction being a frequent theme of his stories uh, now sober, he'll candidly and often flippantly discuss the negative effects drugs and alcohol have had on his life and the lives of those around him, um, uh, stating at different times that he has no memory of writing certain books or working on certain films. Uh, Cujo and Maximum Overdrive are the most cited, Cujo being the book he claims he has no memory of writing because he was flying high on cocaine the whole time. Wow. And Maximum Overdrive, the movie he directed that he has no memory of directing because he was flying flying high on cocaine the whole time. Incredible. Um, Maximum Overdrive is one of my dad's favorite movies because yeah. it has an all ACDC soundtrack. Yeah, it does. Maximum okay. Overdrive is wild. <laughs> that movie <laughs> that movie rips in a very particular 80s and cocaine kind of oh, way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um Works of his like The Shining, Misery, Dreamcatcher, Secret Window, and 1408 all contain elements of King processing his relationship with addiction. Um, it's it's Stephen King. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like if you haven't heard of The Green Mile or Shawshank Redemption or The Shining, like again, what what are we doing here? Um. Go pause this. Go watch one of those movies and come back because that's a way better use of and two hours of your life. Um, the Dark Tower. Uh, the Dark Tower is a series, as I mentioned earlier, um, and it's Stephen King's take on a fantasy epic in the in the style of uh, T. H. White, who did like the Once and Future King the like touchstone kind of King Arthur novel, uh, mm. J.A.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis, um, Tolkien doing Lord of the Rings and Lewis doing, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. Um, but the big difference is he wanted this to be kind of a more American perspective. It's the, the 70, the eighties American take on, on a, a fantasy legacy. Um, it's most literal and derivative, like summation could be wrapped up something like if the authorian legend were filtered through an American Western, it's, um, almost quite literally that, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, it was first inspired by the Robert Browning poem, uh, child Roland to the dark tower came, 
um, King first published the first section of The Gunslinger as a short story by the same name in the October 1978 edition of The Magazine of Fantasy and Science Fiction, a magazine that off, you know, young you're, authors. You're going to tell me it's about science fiction yeah. and fantasy? Yeah it's, yeah, it's young authors would submit short stories to get their name out there. It's a thing that no longer exists. The game informer for this thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, King would continue to would continue the story in four more entries to the magazine in 1980 and 1981. Uh, these five stories were then collected, edited, and released as a novel in 1982. Um, after he had been signed to a after his uh, the success of Carrie, and he had been signed to a publisher, and um, basically needed more output to fulfill his contract. They they put this out as the book. Um, the The Gunslinger is the first novel in the series. It's separated into five chapters, quote unquote, by these five um, short stories. Um, King says it would. He started the novel in 1970, and it took him 12 years to finish. After he read the the poem, it's based on in as a sophomore in college. Um. He would then go on to release six more novels and a novella serving as a prelude. Um, the first of these sequel novels came out in 1987, and he would conclude the series in, 19, in 2004. Um, in 2003, in the lead-up to the final two novels of the series, Stephen King reissued The, the Gunslinger, the first novel, with edits and rewrites to make it more in line with the continuity of the rest of the series. Um, there's, there's some stuff that like some, some George Lucasian things in it sure. where you clearly, he didn't write these short stories intent with the whole plan thought out. So he kind of fixed them in a reissue. It's nothing awful. He, um, to, to give some of the the story away, this takes place in like an alternate reality, an alternate dimension. And originally the first book was like very much set in a post-apocalyptic version of our world. So he basically mm. did some things to kind of differentiate that. It's it. I mean, I think some people might hear like, oh, he he went and put an errata in there. And that's that's tough. I'm just stuck on like 20 years to write this story. Yeah. Like imagine like, I don't know. That's wild. Yeah. I'm still like having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. And so of course, at some point he was like, Oh yeah. A thing I said 12 years ago doesn't quite jive with doesn't where I want the story anymore. to go now. Um, yeah. yeah. It's from, from the wick, from the wiki articles I read, the differences end up being things like, like, um, he makes a lot of references to pop culture throughout the series. So a lot of yeah. those are kind of just clarifying, like the song singing in the bar, isn't the old song. Hey Jude from sent bygone centuries. It's a weird crossing over of worlds and like passed on or like there's a, there's one fit. One of them was like, he, he removed a, 
uh, image of him reading a magazine because paper is supposed to be scarce in this world. And so like uh, mm. sure. changing that plot point to not a magazine just made it more consistent with like that bit of lore. It's all it's all really minor things like that, actually. Cool. It's not anything major. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he conc- he released the last two books in the series in 2004, um, book six and seven. And then in 2012, he released a new book, a new entry to the series that is kind of set in between the fourth and fifth books. So it's not a continuation of the story. It's a like wedging in more, more exposition between books four and five. Um, and then Todd, as you mentioned earlier in 2017, a movie based on the first three books in the series was released. The gunslinger starring Idris Elba as the titular gunslinger and Matthew McConaughey as the, as its antagonist, the man in black, uh, came out. It was pitched as a, as the next telling of this story in the time loop, the series wraps with uh, the whole thing being a time loops on forever mm. and the story gets retold forever and ever. Um, it was critically panned, a commercial failure, uh, didn't go over well. No one liked it. I think it has a 16 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Um, yeah. Amazon wow. bought the adaptation rights in 2018 and a t- and has a, had a TV series in development ever since. It's it's funny and I'm I mean I'm glad you commented on it. I figured you would, but I just don't remember hearing anything about this movie other than this movie's coming out. Oh, it's bad. And yeah. then no one talked about it ever again. Yeah. It yeah. was it was in theaters for it was in theaters very a very short time. It was very much a um, a let's let's start our own unending franchise like the MCU like rush job. Um, Stephen King Stephen King likes it. He says he thinks it's a good adaptation held held back by um, the the I don't know what. Um, Stephen King also has a tendency to really like all the bad adaptations of his books and really (laughs) hate all the good adaptations of his books. Well, Stephen King also makes five cents every time someone streams it on a service. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the only, like, literally the only two exceptions to that rule are Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me. I think he, I think those are the two, like... Critics like them and Stephen King likes them adaptations. Everything else, it's like if if it's popular and good, he hates it. And if it's bad and and schlocky, he loves it. Um, it's great. It's a great, a great rule to live by. Um, so let's let's get into The Gunslinger, the first book, uh, the first book in the series. I've. Um, I've read this book in preparation for this. I've not read the whole series of books because I didn't have that kind of time. I might read them. This was very good. I want to see where it goes. Um, So I may read them eventually, but not on any amount of timeline now that I don't have to. Um, (laughs) The Gunslinger follows Roland Chain or Roland of Gilead, however you uh, want to refer to him. Uh, who is the last of the gunslingers, 
as he pursues the man in black to the dark tower um he is the 30th descendant of king arthur arthur of eld in this world and carries huh. two 45 millimeters revolvers that were passed down to him from his father and that we later learn were forged from the steel of excalibur it's kind of cool i like that that is tight yeah let me explain all of the all of the proper nouns that got thrown out in that that were generated from the the crazy mind of stephen king um Gunslingers are a trained elite who served as peacekeepers and diplomats to, like, high royal society before this world's collapse. Um, if you think Jedi, but with Colt 45s, you're not too far off. I'm in. I'm done. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, Perfect. Yeah, they, they, like, shoot, they shoot guns extremely well. They do, like, a gun martial art. And um, have this weird near superhuman way of reloading guns super fast. And um, it's it's cool. It's awesome. And it's, again, like like Jedi, but with Colt 45s. Um, the Dark Tower is a literal tower and is also the linchpin of existence, quote unquote, in in the words of the book. Um Surprise, this is a multiverse story, and the Dark Tower is is built, stands at the crossroads of reality, the multiverse. It's like the, the nexus okay. point of reality. Um, the Man in Black, a.k.a. Randall Flagg, a.k.a. Walter O'Dim, a.k.a. Martin Broadcloak, is the series' antagonist. Um, he has a lot of different names, because he's a dark sorcerer with supernatural abilities, including necromancy and prophecy. Um, he's existed for a long time, does a lot of dark and manipulative things, in service of the Crimson King, all caps, uh, who is the devil, the like the literal devil. <laughs> it's, um, you know, how we, how we perceive the Crimson King in our reality is the devil. Um, but... The man in black seeks the dark tower to claim its power and become a god on the level of the Crimson King himself. Um, I thought you were going to rhyme that last one. He seeks the tower to gain the power to ooh. something, something, his something. I don't have the end of it, but you got, I'll get back to you. You got a whole episode to, to figure <laughs> it out. Um, the Man in Black, Randall Flagg, has appeared in nine of Stephen King's other novels as a like demon or the source of the the supernatural evil in that book. He's like like in Christine the Possessed Car. He's like the thing that puts the the demon spirit in the car or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. All this book also this series serves to um, connect all of Stephen King's books in this in this like multiverse we exist in and the man in black is like like hops through these other books as a antagonist in them um the the other the biggest one he's in is the stand he's in the stand as like uh the propagator of the virus and the the man who takes advantage like seizes power in the collapse of society after a, a worldwide pandemic 
Um, it's very cool. Um, we learn in flashbacks that the man in black has served as an, a, a wizard and advisor to Roland's father, our titular character's father, um, pulling the strings that led to the collapse of the old world, quote unquote, and um, leading to the events that sent Ro sent Roland on his quest to find the the Dark Tower. The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Opens the first chapter of The Gunslinger, and we are introduced to Roland as he trudges through a mystical desert, reminiscent of the American Southwest, um, as he heads southeast towards the mountains in pursuit of the man in black, as they both head to the Dark Tower. Uh, we won't be told the significance of any of those things until chapters or even books from now, but uh, Stephen King writes in such a way that, like, you get the significance and the the power of the the quest he's on. He's on a it's a weird like mythical quest, like like you know, like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Yeah, um, he's got a hero's journey. He's got a hero's journey. We mm -hmm. don't know why exactly yet, but you want to find out because it's cool and good. Um, the Gunslinger is broken into five chapters, the five stories first published in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, um, collected into like one big book. The first chapter introduces us to Roland already in pursuit of the man in black. He's uh, got a mule and he is wander wa not wandering, but crossing the desert to in in chase of the man in black. Um, Roland is described as a large, lanky man with a sun and wind-worn face. Uh, Stephen King pretty openly based him on Clint Eastwood's A Man With No Name, like from the Fistful of Dollars trilogy. Um, mm. It's it's Clint Eastwood on a on a mystical journey. Um, he wears a, he wears a wide brim Stetson hat, a cowboy hat, and he has two large re revolvers on his hips. Weighted specifically to fit his hands and um, be be weighted to his his long long and tall shape. Um, he mentions that when the guns were passed on passed to him from his father, he had they added weights to them to make him make them more balanced to him um, mm. being taller than his his father. Um. He comes, he comes upon a small farm inhabited by a man named Brown and his pet raven, Zoltan. Uh, Brown offers Roland lodging, food and water for the night, and uh, we get our first indication that this world is not like our own, but, cross, but uh, shares things with it as uh, one, of the, one of the things the raven Zoltan has, like, been trained to say like a parrot kind of thing is the uh beans beans the musical fruit rhyme uh really yeah why is that um because the only two things this man grows on his farm is able to grow in this farm desert is uh corn and beans so he taught him the beans beans the musical fruit thing he says he also he says he also tried to teach him the Lord's Prayer, but he didn't want to learn that and just <laughs> only got the Beans Beans a musical fruit poem in. Good. Great. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, over dinner, Brown tells Roland that the man in black stopped at the farm recently, but he's not sure how recently. Uh, the the phrase "times funny out here" uh, gets thrown around a lot through the rest of the book. No one can remember when things happened because it's a, a desert, a giant desert where the sun just punishes you for existing and you can't remember time. Um, Roland mentions passing through the nearby town of Tall and having to kill a man there. Uh, Brown, you know, living alone in this desert, pries a little further, trying to get a story. And we flash back to Roland entering the town. Um, a lot of flashbacks through this series. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the book starts in media res, and we flash back to the actual story. It's uh, it's fun. Uh, Tall, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Tall is your typical old western shit town. Um, through King's description, we learn Tall is very poor and isolated and on the decline. Uh, we get our second like crossover to our world here um, as Roland enters and approaches the the town saloon the the uh the honky tonk piano player in there is playing hey jude the the drunks are all singing hey jude in the in this bar that's not not on earth um so roland goes to the town saloon and enters literally to the trope of like the whole the whole bar falling silent as he steps in like the record the, scratch yeah the, as is tradition the piano stops everyone mm-hmm. the conversations all stop and and look at him and watch him walk to the bar where he orders three be- three hamburgers and a beer and pays with a gold coin uh this this order and coin both being like a display of wealth that borders on insulting to to these people um mm-hmm. Every time he pays for something, it's like with a gold or silver coin and it's everyone is like flabbergasted by it. And then like tells him, like, I can't make change for this. And he's like, don't worry about it. Like, I'm mm. I, I I'm got too it. rich for it. To yeah, matter. <laughs> it's like it's, uh, you get and you get the impression that, yeah, like the money doesn't even matter to him. It's it's his journey. He's it's all in service of getting to the Dark Tower. Sure. Um, as he eats, an old man named Nort approaches him and taunts him in the high speech, which is the the old language of Gilead, the old language of his ancestors. I can is I this stop guy you for about a second? To... Wait. Are you gonna Are you gonna do what I'm gonna do, Matt? We we might be about to do the same thing. Are you doing? Do we? Do, oh, are you we are. gonna do it together on three? Well, no, I don't. Oh, okay, I, all right. What, well, that's fine. You go. What first. I was gonna say is there. I, hey, listeners, Andrew's not here today. Um. And boy, is he sad that you're going to talk about someone named Nort and and he's yeah. not here to even to make the Kingdom Hearts reference. So we're not right. going to. Well, I'm going to. Kyle, are you about to tell me about somebody who's going to done get Norted? Nort? I forget the specifics of what getting Norted means, but Nort, Nort gets Norted. <laughs> Same. Like, means you have a, ser- a series of evil clones, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Well, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get Norted in that way, but but he gets Norted. Um, okay. Yeah. So this 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 old man approaches Roland and taunts him in this this language that he should should know nothing about. Um, and Roland recognizes recognizes this. He's like, you know, he shouldn't know this, and recognizes the signs of a trap laid by the man in black. 
Um, Nort leaves the bar, and Allie, the the bar's owner, uh, tells Roland about the day the man in black passed through Tall. Uh, we flash back again as Allie explains that Nort was the town junkie addicted to quote unquote devil grass. Um, it's is it, is it pot, Kyle? It's not. Is it the pot? It's not pot. It's like a. It's like a. Feels like it's pot. It's like a heroin, like an opiate type oh. drug in this world. Um, I, I see. Usually, devil's grass is the gateway drug to that sort of yeah, thing, Kyle. Yeah. Um, he he starts out smoking it, and then he he starts like dipping it, like chew, um, and eventually like stops eating to just be high on devil grass all the time. Um, and the day the man in black comes to town, Nort first stumbles into the bar, vomits black bile, and collapses dead. Um, Neat. Yeah. Great. Um, Allie and the other patrons of the bar clean Nort up, get his body kind of cleaned up for, for burial when the man in black arrives. Um, upon arrival, we get the same kind of record scratch. Everything comes to a halt moment. Um, but the man in black almost immediately starts performing a ritual on Nort's dead body, um, reanimating his corpse. Um, I originally had bring, bringing him back to life. It's not not the same. He doesn't come back to life. He reanimates his corpse. Um, everyone, okay, I get that. Everyone immediately recognizes that like Nort's not back, but here he is talking and and saying things but he's got he's got nothing going on behind his eyes anymore oh he's still like sentient though like you can still he's got he's got like memories of being alive uh one of the things he says is like like um he 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 thinks he's been touched by god being brought back to life he's that is what he thinks and he says like i wish i wish god would have taken away my addiction to devil grass though and like so he's oh, like sure. he's like aware, but not. It's weird. Um, the the ritual kind of clears out the bar. Everyone and all the normal patrons leave. Allie goes like up to her her lo- room that's above the bar, and uh, when she comes back down hours later, Nort is still there in the bar, just kind of like chilling in this empty bar. Uh, the man in black is gone. And um, he left a piece of paper with her name on it with Nort, who gives it to her. Um, and this is where we like first hear like paper is scarce in this world. It's very valuable. So like getting this paper with your name on it is in and of itself very shocking already. Um, she opens the paper and reads a warning from the man in black. Uh, Nort has now seen what comes after death. And the man in black has locked it away in his mind, but he left a way to unlock it. If Allie says the word 19 to Nort, he will reveal to her uh, death's secrets, which will drive her insane. Um, just the, just specifically the word 19. 19. Yeah, is there any context there? Um, not that I have found. There might be, but it's okay. it's just said 19. So is this like when we play Cheers Governor? Like, there's just a rule. You can't say 19. Yeah, that's just... Well, you can, but there's consequences. Yeah, you can, but you'll be driven insane by knowing death's death secrets, Matt. 
just like and when you play the drinking game Cheers Governor. One, just like the drinking game Cheers Governor. Just to that one guy, though. So, like, if she's just counting and she says, like, 17, 18, 19, does she immediately see Death's secrets? Um, she has to say it with him. Pre- they, they, they spell out the rules. She has they, to say it with gotta him. There's got to be a notary. She has to say it with him present. <laughs> um, when when she's done telling this story, Roland kind of tells her, like, you need to forget this. You need to forget that 19 comes after comes after 18 it you you count uh 17 18 20 now like uh 10 10 and 9 adds up to 18 half of half of 38 is 17 like you don't know the number 19 anymore um half of 38 isn't isn't 17 but Right. That's <laughs> oh, I was like wait a minute. I missed I Hold missed on. where we got there. Hold Hang on. on. Time out. Yeah. Um both of them realizing like ha- having this the knowledge that you can say the word to this man and be told death secrets gotcha. is an inevitable trap you will you will spring. Um it's like when someone tells you don't think of pink elephants, the first thing you do is think of pink elephants. Like Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it's all it's not an if it's a when type of thing um it's a curse he he cursed her with this like temptation um ali tells roland that the man in black also visited the town preacher a name a woman named sylvia pitson uh roland visits sylvia after the sunday service and can immediately tell that she has been charmed or possessed or whatever by the man in black um, Roland confronts her and she tells Roland that the man in black left a child in her womb, a great king, uh, that Roland knows is not the, the son of God, like she thinks it is, but a demon, uh, he left, she's going to give birth to a demon. She got a, a devil demon. baby in her. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, Roland kills the demon in her womb, springing the man in black's trap, uh, laid for him. Um, and Sylvia like whips the town into a frenzy bent on killing Roland. Um, they, they like pour out of all these old, old West buildings and just have madness in their eyes with the, the intent goal express goal of killing him. This frenzy leads Roland to killing the entire town, um, revealing the deadly talent and cold nature of, uh, the gunslinger. Roland remarks that he kills almost 200 people with a cold sorrow, but no guilt at all. He feels no guilt over it um, as he feels it is his destiny to reach the Dark Tower and therefore anything he must do to survive and reach the tower um, is more moral than like not doing it, than dying and ending his quest. The um, ends justify the means. Kind the of ends thing. justify the means. That's a recurring, a recurring mm-hmm. theme through this book and his character, as we will learn. Um, that is more or less chapter one of the Gunslinger. Um, the next morning, Roland leaves the farm and continues on into the desert. Um, his mule dies, so he leaves it there. Oh, he's, bummer! He's on foot. Mm. Um. We jump forward 16 days, we're into chapter 2 now, and Roland fears he's going he's not going to make it through this desert. He's out of water, he's dehydrated, he's worried he's going to die before he makes it through this desert. Um on the verge of madness from dehydration, 
um, Roland sees a child in in among rocks and an abandoned kind of building. Um, but he mistakes the child for the man in black and like draws his guns and chases after him and almost shoots this kid before realizing it's not the man in black and just a kid and then immediately passes out from heat exhaustion. He wakes up under a shelter and with a wet cloth on his head to find that this boy that he almost killed has like nursed him back to health, which is great. Oh, that was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, the boy introduces himself as Jake Chambers, but does not know how he ended up in this desert and he's starting to forget like where he came from before. Um, he he remarks that like it, Roland asks him like a question and he tries to think of the answer and and Jake kind of says something like, you know, if you'd asked me yesterday, I probably would have been able to answer you, but I've like been forgetting more and more of where I came from each day. Mm. Um so Jake kind of clumsily describes a wealthy upbringing in 1980s New York, New York City. Um, he went to a private school. His dad works for, uh, quote, the network as understood by a child. Um, just just explaining, like, he is the son of two kind of yupp- rich, yuppie parents in New York City. Um, and, um, and that's when he begins to forget more and more of his old life, basically. Um, Roland offers to help him remember and hypnotizes Jake with a, like, bullet trick. He, like, twiddles a bullet between his fingers, Mm. like that that coin trick, and it hypnotizes Jake and helps him remember um, the the day he came to this world. Um, So we flash back to a normal day of Jake's get uh getting ready for school walking through a downtown through downtown new york city to go to school when a um quote priest in all black robes throws jake in front of a moving car killing him instantly oh no oh yeah shit yeah um so jake dies and like came and appeared in in this desert now um out of the flashback out of the flashback, Jake struggles to continue, saying, um, when I remembered the tire running over me, I could taste the blood and shit in my mouth again. Um, like Stephen King writes this graphic description of like mm-hmm. his his innards getting just crushed by this car. Um, so Roland hypnotizes Jake this time to sleep so he can like rest and um, and forget how he died can forget getting hit by this car. Um, cause he's like a 10 year old kid and doesn't need, doesn't need that. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, Roland also real realizes at this time he, he loves this kid like a son. Um, he hasn't had any kids of his own. This kid like, um, you know, survived in this desert for a few days. Seems, seems cut from a tough cloth and Roland feels a father to son like love for him now um he also thinks that this feeling feeling this love may be a trap laid for him by the man in black right uh the next morning jake shows roland where he got the water from 
and the entrance to a cellar in this old way station so that they can like see if there's any food in there, fill up their water bags and stock up before um, they continue out of this desert together. J- uh, Roland's going to take him with him at least out of this desert where he'll surely die again. Um, so Roland goes down into the cellar alone and is confronted by what he calls a speech demon. Um, this is this is the the actual trap that was left by the man in black. This demon taunts him in this basement for um, the massacre he did in Tall for killing all those people in that in that town. Um, Roland overcomes the demon by destroying the skeleton that it's possessing. The man in black kind of left it in the skeleton, um, so Roland is able to destroy it and takes the skeleton's jawbone which becomes important later. Mm. And Roland and Jake continue into the mountains. That's chapter two. Um, chapter three, we've jumped forward again another few days. Um, Roland and Jake have reached the foothills of the mountains, are out of the desert, and are in an area that's like lush with woods and life and and water. Um, so they're able to like refill their water skins they make a camp. They're going to like rest and recover for a few days um, before they continue up the mountain. Like we, we got out of the desert. Let's let's recover from that. Um, the first night, however, Roland awake, wakes up to find Jake is possessed and sleepwalking out of the camp into the woods um, as he get, you know, Gets, straps his guns on, he um, recognizes the signs of a succubus for whatever reason. He, oh, right. um, yeah, um, and chases after Jake and uses the, the jawbone that he took from that cellar to dispel the, the possession or break the whatever trance is on Jake um, and takes him back to camp. Um, Roland goes back after the succubus, leaving Jake and with the jawbone in camp to protect him. Um, and when he comes upon the succubus and talks to it, he learns that it is also an oracle gifted with prophecy. Um, so he um, has sex with this succubus so that he can get so he can learn his fate. He's, he can get a prophecy told from him. That's that's the price of getting to get a prophecy from a succubus apparently he did the he did the avatar uh mind meld with the tree yeah yeah he put his <laughs> but it he was, put his hair but it tail was sex. he he did his hair tail with the tree but but it's sex but with sex a, with a with, with a, a succubus yeah 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 um so we flash back in in this in this prophecy we flash back to roland's childhood in gilead and we learn that his father was the the lord of gilead he was like in charge of the the what is essentially the Vatican to this religion. He's his dad was the Pope. Um and he was advised by Martin, which is one of the aliases of the man in black. Although we don't Roland didn't know he was the man in black at this time. Um Roland describes the abusive training that all prospective gunslingers go through as children. Um and tells tells a story about a a lesson in quote unquote leadership from his father, where um, Roland turned over 
this cook, um, this uh, one of the one of the few people who are like nice to him as a child. He he Roland turns him over for treason after overhearing a conversation where this cook agreed to poison the city's food at the behest of um, a character we haven't met, the good man, um, who is organizing a rebellion against Gilead on behalf of the Crimson King. So um, Roland turns him over for treason for that. Um, He feels bad because this cook has only been nice to him, but is obviously planning to kill his family. Um, And his father assures him that he did the right thing and that this guilt over getting a man who, uh, even though this man was kind to him, um, he ultimately did the right thing. And this guilt was just something he would have to learn to deal with, learn to overcome if he was going to be, if he was going to follow in his father's footsteps kind of thing. Fucked up childhood is what, is what we're getting (laughs) here. Yeah. Right. Um, Having received the prophecy he was seeking, and the that prophecy is mostly like set up for the next book. We'll we'll cover it. Um, Jake and Roland continue through the mountains, um, having spotted the man in black working his own way up the cliffs. Um, in an attempt to gain ground on the sorcerer, Roland leads Jake through some old mining tunnels that kind of cut under the mountain. Um, in an old rail cart. So they're like riding this old rail cart through abandoned mining tunnels. Um, As they ride the rails, Roland tells Jake another story from his childhood um, to, in in an answer to a question of like, why are we chasing this guy? Um, Roland tells him this story um, and recounts the discovery of an affair between Martin, the man in black, and Roland's mother, um, and how Martin used Roland's discovery of this affair and knowledge of his abusive training to kind of goad him into um, taking his gun, his final gunslinger trial early before he's ready. Um, he's you know d- just does a like, like you're you're just a kid, you couldn't. Couldn't do anything about this, even if you wanted to. But if you were a gunslinger, maybe you oh. could. Yeah, ah. yeah. Um, the hope Martin's hope is that Roland fails the trial because he's uh, just just a kid. He's like fourteen, um, and failing the trial would lead to him getting exiled from Gilead and remove him as an obstacle for the the Crimson King and his plan to overthrow the city. Um, however, Roland passes passes the trial um sacrificing his pet hawk as a distraction to like gain the upper hand against his teacher and and pass the test um literally it, like Roland emphasizes his relationship with this hawk and how he's like closer to it than any of his friends and still like has it die in service to him so that he can become a gunslinger and and fulfill his destiny kind of thing. sure another ends justify the means story mm-hmm. um this also make that hearing this makes jake worry about the nature of their relationship and if roland would do anything like that to him if the opportunity presented itself we'll come back to that <laughs> but wait 
Um, as they continue, they are forced to stop the rail car by an obstruction on the tracks. There's like rocks on the tracks. And um, as they get out to clear them, they are attacked by slow mutants, um, mutated descendants of the people that worked in these mountains. Um, if you think like the ghouls from Fallout, you're not too mm. far off. Sure. Um, Roland uses his his gunslinger abilities to hold off these the slow mutants while Jake like clears the rocks from the the tracks, and they're able to escape. Uh, they take this rail cart even further into the mountain, as far as they can go to the edge of a giant chasm, um, and get off to cross this chasm on foot. They find this old like bridge or mining structure or something that like spans the chasm and like crawl across it to get across to exit this these tunnels. Um, as they're crossing almost to the other side, the the structure starts to crumble kind of beneath Jake's feet, and he almost falls into the chasm before Roland catches him. Um, as Roland is trying to pull him back up and and save him. The man the man in black appears on the the other edge of the chasm to where they're trying to go and basically tells Roland like you can save this this child or you can catch me but you can't do both. Um so Roland drops Jake to into the chasm to his death and exits the tunnels with the man in black. Um that's chapter four. Um, Roland and the man in black walk together down the mountain. They exit the tunnels. They walk down the mountain and the two stop and the man in black uh, pulls out a deck of tarot cards and reads Roland his fate. Um, they kind of fight and the man in black uses magic to like incapacitate him and then like reads him, gives him his tarot reading. Um, the man in black reveals the sailor, which refers to Jake. I guess. Um, and then he also, then he gives him the next three people Roland will meet on his journey um, with the prisoner card, the lady of shadows card and the death card. Um, he then flips the tower as the center of Roland's destiny and tells Roland that the crimson King, the one I serve um, is your real enemy and is the one who currently sits at the dark tower the one who controls the dark tower roland attacks the man in black who knocks him out with a spell enters his mind and reveals the multiversal multiversal nature of the universe to him um he like flies him like shows him visions of space and other worlds did the all, doctor strange cutscene? the doc it's very much the doctor strange cutscene, all in an attempt to get him to like back off to be like this is to try and convince him like you're out of your element. This is too much for you. Stop it and just let us don't worry about it and let us take over the universe. It'll be better that way. <laughs> just let us take over the universe. <laughs> yeah, Come on, man, be cool. Yeah. Um, and he shows him the dark tower and the and how it is at the center of all of these different universes. Um, the center point, uh, like the the linchpin of reality. Um, Roland wakes up and it's 10 years later, um, lying next to, oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, lying next to a skeleton that he assumes to be the man in blacks. Um, 
and he takes its jawbone to replace the one that he gave Jake. And that's the end of The Gunslinger. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like the... I mean, they obviously do a lot of heavy lifting here to set up the conflict between... Um, between what is, like, our protagonist and the man in, in black. Yeah. Like, I, I like this whole, like, hey, I'm a big problem. Yeah. And also there's a bigger problem, but, like... I know everything, you know nothing. Also, I'm going to put you to sleep and read your your destiny by the light of the the moon on these here tarot cards. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they have a very like like gentleman's understanding rivalry, like a very mm-hmm. like like it's like a Bond villain. Yeah. There's a monologue yeah. involved. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's that like Bond or the um like Sherlock and Moriarty kind mm-hmm. of like it's a it's a gentleman's disagreement. Yes. Yes. Um with that, we're gonna take a short break. And when we come back, we're gonna do a lightning round of the other seven books in the series. We'll be right back. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So, join us on a real-play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy, action, mystery, friendship. All right, we're back. Um, like I said before, we're going to do a quick lightning round of the rest of the series. Um, and we're going to start with the the weird uh, prelude novella. Um, this is called The, the Sisters of Illuria. Um, it came out in 1998. Um, and it's a, it's a, just a short little, um, entry that kind of takes place in between, um, the fall of Gilead, but before the events of the first book in tall, the, before those events, um, where Roland encounters a group of vampire nuns who bring, bring survivors of this wasteland back to their hospital to nurse them back to health and eat them. And it's just the story of him escaping the vampire nuns. Awesome. It's kind of rad. Cool. Yeah, that's really that. cool. Um, yeah. So these vampire nuns call themselves the Little Sisters of Luria. That's where the title comes from. Um, Roland is, he comes across a, a dog eating a dead body and finds this, um, medallion on it that he takes with him and before he is hit over the head by someone and wakes up in this hospital um he the sisters initially tell him like oh we found you unconscious in the desert we're gonna nurse you we're gonna nurse you back to health and send you on their way um as he's as he gets better um he learns that they are in fact these these vampires and uh plan to eat him um, but with that medallion, because he has that, med- he picked up that medallion, it's, um, serving as this, it has this protective quality about it and they can't 
they can't eat him they're they are oh. yeah they're kept at bay by this medallion um so as he gets better and strong enough to leave they keep him poisoned so he's he's still bedridden and can't escape and eventually one of the one of the sisters one of the nuns um while she's like administering a dose of this poison to him reveals to him like i i didn't join the sisters willingly they forced me to be a vampire with them i don't want to do this anymore i want out so i'm gonna help you um so she like a few more uh, more time passes while he's getting poisoned and she like skips a dose of the poison so that he can regain his strength and fight back um him and this this uh this oh what's the this defector vampire nun um fight off the sisters and escape and uh lifts lifts the curse from the one who helps him who disintegrates into bugs uh bugs are another another thing that the sisters do it's it's hmm. that's it that's the story he meets some vampire nuns and uh with the help of one escapes and continues on his journey I mean, I feel like that's a way more interesting bottle episode than a lot of series get <laughs> yeah. for like a, yeah. a standoff book. You yeah, know? That's awesome. Like that's a way more interesting second story in the series than this most second story. This is series. not the second story. This came out. Um, I think four, four or five books were out by the time he put out this little prelude. But still, mm, sure. Yeah. Um, book two is the next one. Um, it's called The Drawing of Three. Um, it takes place 10 years and seven hours after the events of the gunslinger, after he wakes up from his 10 year long, uh, magic, magic coma. And then seven hours after that, um, I love that they give him a break. Yeah. They're like, Hey bud, take a nap. We'll get back to you in seven. Yeah. Uh, so Roland continues his journey to the dark tower along a beach where he is attacked by lobstrosities. Does anyone want to guess what lobstrosities are? Lobster, lobster, yes, lobster yeah. atrocities. Mutated, <laughs> mutated lobster monsters. Yes, exactly, Todd. Um, and he fights them off, and but loses two two fingers and a toe in the process. Um, nerfing nerfing his gunslinger prowess a bit. Um, that they specifically mention the two fingers that get that he it's loses like yeah um yeah. it's his it's his pointer and ring finger and it messes up his trigger and his like cool superhuman reloading trick so he can't do this that is anymore. this is a very specific like hey i've been the whole, told this story from my good friend who read this because i know what that ultimately leads to that he gets a there's a moment where he's still able to shoot the gun but in a weird way oh Okay. Yeah. I, I, it was, and I, I don't know. It might not be a huge deal, but like I remember very vividly my buddy Zach telling me that he has to like swing the gun around and like pull the trigger with his pinky ah. um, to fire it at one point because okay. he doesn't have a trigger finger. Nice. Interesting. Nice. Um, so these these wounds he takes get infected um, and Roland continues along the beach getting weaker and weaker until he encounters three doors three doors just out on this beach um labeled the prisoner the lady of shadows and the punisher um you might 
recognize those first two names from his right. tarot reading. Guess not what? the no, I recognize the last one from my other reading though. No, not I said the Punisher. I'm sorry. It's the Pusher. It's not the Punisher. Oh, the last well, one that's is the Pusher. Kyle. Yes, <laughs> I know it is. It's very different. I just can't read. Um, each of these doors opens to New York City at different time periods. I think one's like the 60s, one's 70s, one's um, quote unquote modern day for the time, which is the 80s. Um, so um, and and each door promises a new travel companion for Roland on his quest. Um, so the prisoner, he goes through the prisoner door first and brings back Eddie Dean, a heroin addict. That's where the, the prisoner comes from. He's like a prisoner of this addiction hmm. um, who is able to get medicine for Roland. It's affection that like it helps him get a little bit better, but doesn't, uh, clear the infection entirely so he's got to keep looking um in exchange for using this multi multi-dimensional door to help him get cocaine through customs um cool yeah um so they do that eddie dean comes back to this world and um and and waits while he goes through the second door uh the lady in shadows um the lady in shadows is odetta holmes a black woman with dissociative identity disorder. Um, it's incorrectly incorrectly called schizophrenia in the novel because it was written in the eighties before we mm. identified those as two different things. And um, but she is a a wheelchair woman uh, who is wheel wheelchair bound, missing her legs below her knees um, from being pushed into an oncoming subway earlier. Huh. Um, she is unaware By the pusher don't don't spoil things matt don't read <laughs> okay. ahead matt. okay all right i'm back um she is unaware of her she's unaware of her other personality uh who goes by detta walker um and this personality is, is very violent and predatory think think an 80s depiction of uh disassociative identity disorder and like you're you're not far off um this other personality was was created or was formed after Odetta was hit in the head by a falling brick at a young age. Um, he brings he brings Odetta back and um, leaves leaves her with uh, what was the other guy's name Eddie. So Eddie and Odetta are, are back. Um, he goes through the pusher door now, um, very weak, still still hit with this infection. Um, but pushing onward. Um, the pusher is Jack Mort, a sociopath who gets off by maiming and killing random strangers. Um, Roland discovers that he is responsible for both of Odette's traumas. He's the one who pushed her in front of a subway and dropped a brick on her head as a child, although he is unaware that those were related, those were the same person. To him, he was just dropping bricks and pushing a woman in front of a subway because he likes killing. Here he goes killing again. Um, All right, look, I'm not here to kink shame, but <laughs> no. your kink is is killing people. Mm, yeah, I might no, shame you a little bit. Yeah, no little shame. yeah I, think, I think we can shame. I think we can shame people there. Um, Jack Mort is also the man who pushed um, who pushed Jake, 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 thank you. 
There's a lot of names. Yeah. Um, he's the one who pushed Jake in front of the car. And oh. because of the timey-wimey interdimensional nature of these doors, um, Roland actually arrives in New York City before Mort has pushed Jake into in front of that car. And Roland is able to save, stop that from happening, kind of out of his guilt from dropping Jake into a chasm. He stops him from getting hit by a car, um, which creates a, a time paradox that comes up later in the books because that Jake was supposed to die so he could come to this world so he could fall into that chasm and die for prophecy reasons. So it's like a grandfather thing now. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, it's a Marty it McFly. It's a Marty yeah, McFly situation. It's a Marty McFly banging his mom situation. Mm -hmm. I think um, what I like most about this so far is that it had a very like early on westerny aged vibe, and there's magic and there's that sort of thing. But we're no more than two books removed from that, and we've had vampire nuns. Yeah, and we've also yeah. had like a subway train and. Here we have, you know, Roland getting his fingers shot off and getting infected. And also this woman got hit in the head with a brick. Yeah, like, there's there's <laughs> just like some pretty dramatic swings of it's, like the tone and the setting. And I think that's that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cocaine's a hell of a drug, Todd. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Cocaine <laughs> is a hell of a drug. Um, through interdimensional timey wimeyness, um, Eddie detoxes from heroin while Jake is while Roland is in this um door and Odette sees like she she like sticks her head in the door at one point and that allows her to see like that that Jack is the one who committed both her traumas and lets her see lets her meet the the other identity she has Detta and um is able to merge now kind of her two identities into a new third person who she remains for the rest of the series, Susanna Dean. Um, and then Roland comes out of the door. Um, he kills Jack while he's in there. He's like not dealing with that guy. He's not joining us. And, um, and the three all journey on to the tower. Book three, The Wastelands. Uh, we're going to speed up here. Um, the, th the three find a beam of reality that traces a path directly to the tower. It's it's a literal, like, like giant beam, like... Um, the Bifrost Bridge. Like the That's Bifrost just... Bridge. I was going to say, like, think, think the Washington Monument, but it, like, goes off into eternity. <laughs> sure, And yeah. you follow that to the tower. Yeah. Um, awesome. It is guarded by a cyborg bear who they fight and defeat. What? No, wait, hold <laughs> on. Wait. <laughs> Incredible. Um, after we, we get the fight with the cyborg bear and then we cut away to Jake who is in our world, the real world now, now existing as a li living paradox. Um, a lot of exposition and lore later, uh, Jake and Roland are reunited in in Roland's world and Jake forgives Roland for dropping him into a chasm to his death. Um, the whole group journeys on and they come upon the ancient city of Lude in which is this this um, ancient, highly technological city that is now in decline and join this war. The people there have been fighting against kind of the the AI that 
run, runs the city and the people that live in it. Um, they fight in this war, are unable to stop the destruction of the city by the AI, and they ride out on a monorail. A monorail that they find is also powered by AI. Um, this AI, driven insane by centuries of existence, attempts to kill the group, or threatens to kill the group, unless they can defeat it in a riddle contest. And that's the oh, end of book three. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Book four opens on the riddle contest. Um, <laughs> they it it opens with like have, explaining that like they've been in the in the interim between books they've been locked in this riddle contest with this um, AI for hours while it um, tries to trip them up so it can kill them, and they eventually overpower it. Um, Eddie starts not telling it riddles but like puns like jokes with the setup to a riddle but the answer is a pun um which like makes the ai short circuit and and stop functioning so they are able to stop the the suicide ai train from killing them um we get a lot we get a lot more backstory into um Gilead and the affair between Roland's mother and the man in black and um me I lost my place here um the kind of the setup we get we get more a more thorough telling of Roland um overcoming the tri his final gunslinger trial and the start of his journey um yada yada it's it's the exposition we um get there's a there's a a setup a woman set up in the earlier books as like the one woman roland has ever loved we get their backstory in this book and um it continues the next book in the series chronologically is the one that came out this is the one that came out in 2012 like long after the series wrapped this is called okay. the wind the wind through the keyhole um it's more exposition it's another it's like like an adventure they go on in the interim that like gives you more gives you more backstory but like doesn't ultimately change much because it came out after the book after the series wraps up um book five is called the wolves of kala um this starts setting up for the the finale of the book um six and seven book six and seven are kind of a two-part finale so this starts setting up the finale um um roland is able to confront the the man in black and the crimson king the crimson king um reveals to him his plan is to get to the dark tower and use its power to destroy the the universes um for no other real reason than he's the devil and he wants to destroy the universes and maybe rule over the the ashes so to speak um roland roland overpowers maybe kills um the man in black i'm not entirely sure at this point um this is where things i was doing a lot of really quick reading um but we <laughs> We this set, is where we twisted Kyle's arm and said, "No, finish it. Yeah, do yeah. it." <laughs> um, we're we're getting set up for the final showdown, though. There's like 
the the war two two big warring factions were setting up for our big like name two nameless faceless armies clash in in yeah. a good versus evil fight um and then we go into book six and seven which um are kind of book six is pretty much like the the that clash that those two armies fighting and the the results thereof and then book seven is um and it's called the dark tower and it is um roland getting to the dark tower facing off and defeating the crimson king and then the ending that is is put into this prologue um and it kind of opens with a like uh with at with with Stephen King kind of like addressing the reader like dear reader if you want to have the happy ending to this story please stop reading here do not continue oh. further if you want the good ending um wow because if you read the prologue it's Roland going into the dark tower um climb he starts to climb it and um is confronted with all of all of the things he has done in his past to get here, kind of all of his sins to get here. Um, he learns that the tower is not just a tower. It is a, a living appendage of some God he can't fully comprehend. Um, he keeps, he ascends the tower and is, is confronted with all his sins and he reaches the top of the tower to realize that um, this is not his first time completing the journey and reaching the top of the tower that he has done it infinite times before and he's kind of doomed to do it infinite times more as the nature of the multiverse is that it is it is cyclical um everyone's fate is is written and sealed to happen over and over again on on loop Un, until the inevitable heat death of the universe basically um huh. end of story roll credits hmm. interesting that is that is a cool that there was a sign that was like look you can get out now if you're yeah. really into this you can just right. just walk away um and also an interesting way to end that story that it's you know this kind of like vicious time loop that goes on forever and ever um yeah that's a really interesting thing and i i like personally i just like stories with bad endings right mm -hmm. where like not everything yeah. comes yeah. together and there's something interesting in that and i don't know that we get enough of it and that's a cool way to do it um i i will say it's it's kind of reported that at least in 2014 or 2014 I'm sorry, 2004, when when the Dark Tower, the seventh book came out, um, fans of the series did not like that ending. They were not happy with that reveal. Wow. Okay. Um, and so that is part of what the that like interim book that he wrote in 2012 does is lays a little bit more groundwork, like chronologically in the story. For that to be the ending, it like sets up a little more of the like. This is gonna end in a in a time loop, doomed to repeat this type of thing again. Um, 
through through a flashback from Roland's life, like similar to how the the hawk story set up him dropping Jake into the chasm. Same same kind of setup payoff is tucked into that book. Um, and yeah, so that is where um, I said in the beginning when we were talked about the movie, um, the the movie was at least pitched to fans as a like this is one of those other loops around like another okay eternity um yeah that's why there are differences from the book like that's how we're gonna explain away not being beat for beat from the book why it's idris elba and not a clint eastwood type etc etc um and that's going to also be the explanation for the for the eventual Amazon series should it ever get released is like is that's another just another wrap around eternity to to retelling it again. I mean, I like that idea. It's a shame that yeah. it didn't like latch on. Yeah. Yeah. And but I mean, who knows with whatever the the series being developed is, I kind of assume they're going to take that same angle again and just try harder. I would hope. Um, yeah. Which Amazon's got a decent track record for adaptations. The Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings was um, pretty, pretty universally um, acclaimed. Um, I think yeah. Amazon is about to do the, are they doing fallout vault 33? Yeah. Uh, Amazon? Was that Amazon or was that Peacock? No, it's not Peacock. I, I think, think it's, it's Amazon. Amazon. And, and like would, the, the Boys is a very good adaptation of that right. source material. So I think if if they nail, I mean, the Boys is great, and I, I'm not familiar with the source material all that much, but if they nail Fallout, I would have a lot of faith in them doing right by this yeah. series because it's just Fallout also has this. It's in the past, but also the future, and also there are vampire nuns kind yeah. of energy to it. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, um, just because we're talking about an adaptation, um, I'm really curious from your research. Could you give me like a the top three cast of who you would put in this right now? Like if you had to pick your, uh, your Roland and your man in black. I so I will say I do really like Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey in both those roles. Like right. I don't th- I don't know much about the movie. I have I can pretty confidently say I doubt they were the issue with it. Um they have cast or at least at one point had cast Roland for the Amazon series. I lost that name. I didn't write it down. Um I don't know. I this is one instance where like I'm I, I, as a movie viewer, am getting tired of seeing, like, the same 30 actors get cast over and over mm. and things again. Yeah. This is an instance where I wouldn't have as big a problem with that, because these are supposed to be, like, like this is a centuries-long quest Roland is on. So, like, them, them uh, casting actors we know already wouldn't be such a bad thing. Um, I was not prepared to answer that. I don't have... I don't have actors ready to give to you, Matt. Um, I can't. That's okay. I can't no worries. think of them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. The last thing I did want to talk about before we wrap up today is the um, Stephen King extended universe, for lack of a better phrase. Um, 
<laughs> that is that is what another thing um these books do is that they they canonically link all of Stephen King's novels at least to this multiverse um oh really the, like the gunslinger series is the glue that yes kind of brings it all together yes oh. that's really kind of tight um so the big examples from this are one um the the man in black character is the one that he appears in nine other novels um he is he pops into um that universe that that's that that is like there's there's the real the real earth is is a universe in this multiverse and then like the the Stephen King stories earth is another universe in this so he he pops up in a few places in that universe as as an antagonist as a evil evil and evil deity um uh pennywise is the the clown pennywise mm-hmm. is the same has the same powers is the same like same kind of entity that um the crimson king is they're the same like oh cool godlike being that can traverse the the multiverse um yeah i think the the difference is like um pennywise gets its power from fear and the crimson king gets its power from like some other ethereal concept like that that's the big difference um the shining is a big one that ties in the the like visions that Danny gets the little boy gets in the shining are akin to some other some other type of vi- like the the visions of prophecy that like um Roland gets from the tarot reading from the man in black or from the oracle like those are the same things uh, the concept of shrines or shines, I'm sorry, shines is a co- is a term that gets thrown around in, a lot in The Shining. Go figure. Um, that connects back directly to this this world. Um, yeah, um, at one point somewhere in the in the later books of the the Dark Tower series, the characters actually um like traverse to the real world to quote unquote our universe and meet Stephen King like in person interesting that's right. a that is a thing he has done so Stephen King r- exists as a as himself as a character in in this lore as well um there's tons of other there's a like tons of other like minor like one-off references to this concept all over the book all over Stephen King's books um and then there is also like like companies fictional companies in in one novel are referenced in another um I forget what other book it is but there's a book that makes reference to both the the little sisters by name and then another book that makes a reference to vampire nuns as a like as a bit those are both like considered connections to this universe so um 
Yes, there is a Stephen King extended universe. And yes, it has deep lore that you can go and find and connect the dots to on on your wall with a crazy red uh, line of string if you want. Um, that's it. That's all that's I got really... for the Dark Tower series. <laughs> that's really cool. I I'm yeah. perusing Stephen King's website, and there's like a whole. He's got a whole web page specifically for the Dark Tower series. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it sounds really cool. I'll have to do a little research and see what the audiobook looks like. Like if there's audiobooks of everything in the series, because I would definitely listen to this. All I all eight books I talked about have audiobooks. Well, then I will likely listen to this. I can at some confirm point. that. Uh this sounds very much like my shit. I like western stuff and i wish we got more modern not even mo modern's the wrong word but like i i wish we just got more new westerns you know? yeah and can i can i tell you westerns. about our lord and savior the mandalorian <laughs> well i can't watch the mandalorian todd because i have to watch the mandalorian first so <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch the Mandalorian after I watch the Mandalorian. Great. I, I this is very cool though. Agree to everything that, that Matt just said. This is the kind of stuff I'm into. Um, I much like Matt might listen to it. Um, again, I've been told about how cool it is for 20 years and, um, now's the time, Todd. Now's the time. I do look forward to there being a series about this because I was interested back when the movie came out. But again, mm -hmm. the reviews were so overwhelmingly bad or yeah. like, or just forgettable that I was like, okay, never mind. I, 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 I really think the mistake the movie made was it tried to do three books in one. It tried to like get into the deep, the deep lore kind of too fast where mm. like S Stephen King pretty specifically left out didn't throw you into the deep lore until you finished a whole story first and this tried to like get all of it in in one shot and it was messy it was hard to follow and um didn't get you hooked before it started making you remember a bajillion proper nouns and yeah you can't do that right there is a lot of proper nouns in this there's story. a lot of proper nouns in this story and i tried to to i cut out a lot of them for for us so we could like follow um there's a lot of proper nouns in this story and more it gets more proper noun heavy as the series goes on um it's it's a fantasy book. It's a high fantasy book written by a a manic writer. <laughs> um, so it gets a little out there. If that is all, then I'm going to thank everyone today for listening to Debate This. Uh, you can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Merch! We have that. <laughs> Right now, you can go on the internet, capital T, capital I, the internet, and order things that say debate this on them. All you need to do is head to our Redbubble page and give us your money. 
Does our Redbubble page have a cool and easy URL for us to read in an audio ad? No, but you can find it with relative ease by going to www.debatethiscast.com and visiting and visiting the support the show page. Until next time, I'm Kyle Harper. I'm Todd. Send in the dancing lobstrosities, Thomas. And I'm Matt. There goes the man in black. Cole. And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think you're if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. I laugh every time Very we do good. the merch closer because it always <laughs> sneaks up on every one oh, of us. Yeah. We go, there's always a pause and then merch. Merch. <laughs> <laughs>